Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome to the pod. Today, I want to turn our attention from male and female roles in marriage to one of what is arguably the most challenging aspects of putting a man and a woman together in a unity, and that is communication. Now, there are tons of jokes and generalizations and all kinds of other socially constructed ways that we can understand the difficulties in communication that happen between men and women. I want to try to avoid that as much as possible, because I don't think that dealing in generalizations really helps us to overcome or grow our deficiencies in communication. So what I want to set before you today really is just a a biblical foundation for communication. Like, why do we, why do human beings communicate? Uh, We understand that the animal kingdom communicates also, but we communicate at a much higher and a much deeper level than the animal kingdom. And this is a very important distinction to make. Our communication as human beings, as members of the human race, reflects our Creator in the sense that because we are made in his image, we have certain abilities to communicate that no other creature in the created universe possesses. This is critically important to understand. Why? Because it shows the distinction and the uniqueness of human marriage, human relationships. Of course, none of this is supposed to demean those who have spent years studying and understanding animal behavior and communications. That's not really what, uh, that's not really the point, okay? Because we acknowledge animals do communicate, but they communicate in the limited ways that God has given to them according to their own likeness. So in other words, Dogs have a way of communicating. Cats have a way of communicating. Um, Dolphins or whales, uh, gorillas, birds, all these different animals have a way of communicating, which is unique to their kind, unique to their species. But humans, humans also have a unique way of communicating, but we, our communication is unique to our kind, and our kind was made in the image of God. Therefore, because we reflect our great creator, God, in the ways that we communicate. For example, our communication can be abstract. It can have time-based elements, otherwise known as looking forwards or looking backwards. Um, We have memory of many instances that occur to us in life. We have the ability to create moral structures and moral systems. Obviously, those are derived from God, 
but many people who have never even known of God also create and establish moral structures. Our communication is uniquely different from the animal world because we are able to reason. We are able to think critically, whereas in the animal world, they are thinking reactively to the stimulations of the environment that they live in. Now, with that short foundation um, of what I believe to be the distinction between human communication and animal communication, let's take a look at the Word of God and begin to unpack what the Word of God says about communication. And these are going to be general principles today, just general truths. And in some future episodes, I will become much more specific dealing with specific communication commands and obligations for both men and women. The first basic principle that we must consider is that humans communicate differently because they are made in the image of God. And that leads us to this natural question. How does God communicate? If we communicate differently because we're made in the image of God, then we need to seek to understand how our God communicates. I would say that there are two primary ways that God communicates. God communicates in both a nonverbal manner and God communicates in a verbal manner. All right, and how, how am I going to break that down? How do we understand this? Well, first of all, the general revelation, the testimony of creation, is God's nonverbal creation to the entire world. If you would just go, uh, if you have your Bible or if you're just following along, you look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hand. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. But there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. All right, what, what, is, what is the psalmist saying here? The psalmist is saying that the heavens, that is the stars above, and the expanse of the sky declares the work of God, declares the existence of God. But there's no speech. There's no sign written. There's no billboard. There's no writing. But the fact that the heavens are in their place, that the creation has a certain order, that testifies of the glory of God and the power and truth of the Creator God. This would be nonverbal speech. So God testifies to his entire creation in a nonverbal way through the actual creation. All men should be able to see the creation and its order and its intricacy and its majesty and it's great expanse, and they should be able to say, wow, there must be a God, a being, who put this into place. This is exactly what Paul echoes in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, where he says that the testimony of God, the knowledge of God, is evident to all men because God made it evident to them through creation. So we have here 
evidence of God's nonverbal communication. And then there is God's verbal communication, his what we call special revelation, the testimony of his written word. And if we stay in Psalm 19, we can see this. So Psalm 19, verse 1 through 6, is all about God's nonverbal creation or nonverbal communication through creation. But if you look at verses uh, 9, 10, and 11, I'm sorry, verses 7 through 9, that is all about God's special revelation. This is the testimony of his written word. Here's what the psalmist says, Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. In these verses, we see that God has revealed special truth about himself, special truth about who we are as human beings, special truth about his law and his testimony and his precepts and what is right and wrong and how we should live and move and interact with one another. This is called his special revelation. It is the testimony of his risen word. And as you read the Bible, you'll see that God's verbal communication comes in all kinds of different forms. It can come in the form of a direct address. It happens occasionally in dreams and visions. It happens through writing. When you look at the New Testament and you see the epistles that were written by men who were inspired or moved by the Holy Spirit to write those truths down and then sent to the churches, God's uh, special revelation is also communicated through direct speaking, all right? When Peter, for example, stood up and gave a sermon to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, that is God's direct revelation because of the power of the Holy Spirit that spoke through Peter. These two passages or these two halves, I should say, of one psalm indicate that our God uses both verbal and nonverbal communication to communicate to us. And since we are made in his image, what does that say about us? That we, as human beings, as the race of man, also can communicate both in verbal ways and in nonverbal ways. And I want to talk a little bit about the verbal communication that we have and then describe some areas of nonverbal communication. Obviously, our tongue is the primary means of verbal communication. It is our speech. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. James chapter 3 records that the tongue is the mightiest part of the human body and it is very difficult for any man to tame the tongue. For the tongue speaks both curses and blessings. So our tongue is a critical component of our verbal communication. Another form of verbal communication that we have is writing. 
And I already mentioned the power of the pen in the epistles, how the apostles wrote down the very words of God and sent them to the churches that would then impact and instruct those groups of people. And they continue to impact and instruct us today. We, as God's creatures, have the power to both verbally communicate through speech and verbally communicate through writing. But there is nonverbal communication as well. Let me list some examples and areas of nonverbal communication. There is a person's countenance or facial expressions. Uh, This is very important. Genesis 4, 5, and 6 records this, that Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. All right, there are other verses in the Proverbs and in Psalms that describe the face reflecting the attitude and the action of the heart. Okay, so your countenance is a very important aspect of nonverbal communication. You can often tell when somebody is perhaps not being honest with you or they're not telling you the whole story because the words that are coming out of their mouth may say one thing, but their facial expressions may say something different. And it is a challenge, admittedly, to at times get your facial expression to accurately reflect the words that you're saying, especially if you're angry or you're upset and you're asking for forgiveness because you've, you've sinned against somebody. It can be very difficult to get your facial expression to match the words uh, that are coming out of your mouth. Now, there are actions that accompany words. Uh, you, people talk with their hands, with their feet, and with their eyes. Proverbs chapter 6, 12 through 14 records for us that people use their hands, their feet, and their eyes to communicate. Uh, we even have a joke about it in our culture. We say some people are hand talkers. And so when they start opening their mouths, they start moving their hands, and their hands reflect the magnitude of the words that are coming out of their mouth. There are also actions that are nonverbal that we take without speaking any words that communicate a great deal. Now, David, when he was bringing the ark into Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 16, verses 12 through 22, was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. What was his dancing communicating? Communicating joy, triumph, thankfulness, thanksgiving to God for the victories that God had provided and the deliverance that God had brought about in his life. David was dancing. That was communicating by body language something without any without speaking any words another popular form of communication that we find in the bible that doesn't use words or writing or facial expression is the tearing of clothes to indicate sorrow sadness or grief we don't often do that today tearing of clothes, but we do have a tradition in our culture of when somebody dies, we put on outfits of mourning. In our culture, typically those outfits are black 
or dark blue. And those outfits reflect our inward attitude of sorrow and mourning for a lost loved one. So if you see somebody wearing all black, most likely that person is in mourning for a loved one. They don't have to open their mouth at all to to say that. You know it because of the nonverbal communication that has occurred through the style and type of clothing that they have worn. And I would say that if you were just going to survey individuals, let's say you go to a public place and you start surveying individuals, people communicate a lot about themselves by the style of clothes that they're choosing to wear, the way that they groom themselves, um, the accessories that they accessorize themselves with. And these are all forms of nonverbal communication that we need to be aware of and that we need to consider in our communication relationships. Now, what's the big takeaway from this discussion about biblical foundations of communication? What's the big takeaway? The takeaway should be this. You must realize that you communicate all the time. Everything that you're doing, the tone of your voice, the facial expressions that you have, the words that you speak, the clothes that you wear, um, your actions that people are observing, that is all a form of communication. And so that is saying something to everybody around you. And you need to ask a very important question. Is your communication saying to other people what you intend to say? Is your communication reflecting genuine, true attitudes of the heart, purity of motives, so that you could be somebody who has no guile or no cause for distrust? Or is your communication sending mixed messages to people? Some messages to these people, some messages to other people, so that it's difficult to really pin down where you stand on, on any particular issue or what you really think about any particular thing. Your communication says something all the time. Is it saying what you intend it to say? Here's some real-world implementation. Your communication ought to be consistent. Your spoken words and your body language should line up. Now, as I already have expressed, that can be difficult at times. That can be difficult. But we should work hard to try to have our body language and our spoken words match one another so that when we're speaking words of sorrow, we're not having a body attitude of flippancy or joy. Or when we're speaking words of sincere forgiveness, that we are not having a body language that would indicate we still have a great deal of anger and bitter and resentment in our hearts. Our communication should be consistent. And we also need to consider this, that a majority of our communication is nonverbal, okay? You cannot let 
All right. You cannot let your nonverbal communication undermine your actual words. If you do that, if you allow your nonverbal communication to underline or undermine your actual words, you will lose reputation. You will lose trust because people will not trust what you're saying. A good example would be if you say that you value somebody's friendship. Let's just use friendship as an example. You say you value their friendship, but you don't make any effort to reach out to them. Or when they enter a room, you find a way to conveniently exit the room. How long is that going to occur before that person begins to doubt the truthfulness of your words? I don't think it'll take too long. In fact, I think more people are tuned in to getting the truth from nonverbal communication than they are to listening to the actual words that people say. And I think this problem has only been exacerbated by social media and by the uh, media culture that we live in because it's possible for people to post all kinds of appearances about themselves online or impressions that they want people to feel, but then in real life, they can act quite differently from those appearances or impressions that they post online. So if your words, your written words in this case, words that you put online, are very different from your nonverbal communication, you will become untrustworthy. You will become somebody who has a sketchy reputation. And so we need to recognize that since a majority of communication is nonverbal, we need to be very careful to make sure that our verbal communication does not conflict with our nonverbal communication. Obviously, it's not 100%, but you don't want it to conflict so regularly that you become somebody who is untrustworthy. A third aspect of implementing these biblical foundations is this, that good communication and profitable communication is a skill that can be learned. Let's say you're a poor communicator right now. Let's say you have a poor time communicating in your marriage. Well, the way that communication is talked about in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in terms of communication being a command, presumes that you can learn and grow and do better in communication. God is not operating from the perspective that everybody's perfect and degrades over time in their communication. No, God operates from the perspective that everybody is fallen and corrupt and that they need to learn godly and God-honoring and biblical communication patterns throughout their life. And so the commands that are given concerning speech and the tongue correctly presume that one can change sinful communication habits and patterns. Uh, Paul has a great explanation of this in Colossians chapter 3, and we will discuss that in further detail in upcoming episodes. All right? But you need to be committed to the fact, and you need to acknowledge 
that good and profitable communication is a skill that can be learned. Uh, if you throw your hands up in despair and say, I, I am what I am, I can't change, then you won't change. But if you're having issues in communication, whether it's in your marriage or in a relationship between friends or perhaps in relationships at your workplace, you need to believe that the Word of God is powerful and sufficient to help you overcome your poor communication, and you can grow in good and godly communication. I think that these few things that we talked about today provide a really good foundation for biblical communication. These are just some principles that are are foundationally true. And if you don't agree with them, then it's going to be hard to it's going to be hard to move forward in actually applying the commands in the Bible to communication. So I would challenge you, do you really believe in these foundational principles? Do you understand how the way that our creator made us to communicate is a reflection of his image? And that he wants us to bring glory and honor to him through the communication patterns that we develop and cultivate. I hope that you do. For I believe that if you can set the theology of an issue right in your mind, in other words, if you can get the theology correct, that provides the right foundation and the right avenue for then looking at the commands that God has given us to practice. So, my dear friends, set your mind to good theology, true theology, understanding as much about God as you possibly can, and continuing to grow in that understanding your entire Christian life so that when you're confronted with difficult commands or difficult truths, you fall back on your knowledge of who God is, and that helps you to apply the command or the truth that you find in Scripture. May you be blessed, and may you work hard to communicate well that you might honor our great Creator God.